Chapter Fifteen, Part Two of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter Fifteen, Part Two. The agency of glaciers in producing permanent geological changes consists partly in their power of transporting gravel, sand, and huge stones to great distances, and partly in the smoothing, polishing, and scoring of their rocky channels, and the boundary walls of the valleys through which they pass. At the foot of every steep cliff or precipice in high alpine regions, a talus is seen of rocky fragments detached by the alternate action of frost and thaw. If these loose masses, instead of accumulating on a stationary base, happen to fall upon a glacier, they will move along with it, and, in place of a single heap, they will form in the course of years a long stream of blocks. If a glacier be twenty miles long and its annual progression about five hundred feet, it will require about two centuries for a block thus lodged upon its surface to travel down from the higher to the lower regions or to the extremity of icy mass. This terminal point remains usually unchanged from year to year, although every part of the ice is in motion, because the liquefaction by heat is just sufficient to balance the onward movement of the glacier, which may be compared to an endless file of soldiers pouring into a breach and shot down as fast as they advance. The stones carried along on the ice are called in Switzerland the moraines of the glacier. There is always one line of blocks on each side or edge of the icy stream, and often several in the middle, where they are arranged in long ridges or mounds, often several yards high. The cause of these medial moraines was first explained by Agassiz, who referred them to the confluence of tributary glaciers. Upon the union of two streams of ice, the right lateral moraine of one of the streams comes in contact with the left lateral moraine of the other, and they afterwards move on together in the center if the confluent glaciers are equal in size, or nearer to one side if unequal. All sand and fragments of soft stone which fall through fissures and reach the bottom of the glaciers, or which are interposed between the glacier and the steep sides of the valley, are pushed along and ground down into mud, while the larger and harder fragments have their angles worn off. At the same time, the fundamental and boundary rocks are smoothed and polished, and often scored with parallel furrows, or with lines and scratches produced by hard minerals, such as crystals of quartz, which act like diamond upon glass. This effect is perfectly different from that caused by the action of water, or a muddy torrent forcing along heavy fragments. For when stones are fixed firmly in the ice and pushed along by it under great pressure, in straight lines, they scoop out long rectilinear furrows or grooves parallel to each other. 
the discovery of such markings at various heights far above the surface of the existing glaciers and for miles beyond their present terminations affords geological evidence of the former extension of the ice beyond its present limits in switzerland and other countries the moraine of the glacier observed chapentier is entirely devoid of stratification for there has been no sorting of the materials as in the case of sand mud and pebbles when deposited by running water the ice transports indifferently and to the same spots the heaviest blocks and the finest particles mingling all together and leaving them in one confused and promiscuous heap wherever it melts icebergs in countries situated in high northern latitudes like spitzbergen between seventy and eighty degrees north glaciers loaded with mud and rock descend to the sea and there huge fragments of them float off and become icebergs scoresby counted five hundred of these bergs drifting along in latitudes of sixty-nine and seventy degrees north which rose above the surface from the height of one to two hundred feet and measured from a few yards to a mile in circumference many of them were loaded with beds of earth and rock of such thickness that the weight was conjectured to be from fifty thousand to a hundred thousand tons specimens of the rocks were obtained and among them were granite gneiss mica schist clay slate granular felspar and greenstone such bergs must be of great magnitude because the mass of ice below the level of the water is about eight times greater than of above wherever they are dissolved it is evident that the moraine will fall to the bottom of the sea in this manner may submarine valleys mountains and platforms become strewed over with gravel sand mud and scattered blocks of foreign rock of a nature perfectly dissimilar from all in the vicinity and which may have been transported across unfathomable abysses if the bergs happen to melt in still water so that the earthy and stony materials may fall tranquilly to the bottom the deposit will probably be unstratified like the terminal moraine of a glacier but whenever the materials are under the influence of a current of water as they fall they will be sorted and arranged according to their relative weight and size and therefore more or less perfectly stratified in a former chapter it was stated that some ice islands have been known to drift from baffin's bay to the azores and from the south pole to the immediate neighborhood of the cape of good hope so that the area over which the effects of moving ice may be experienced comprehends a large portion of the globe we learn from von buch that the most southern point on the continent of europe at which a glacier comes down to the sea is in norway in latitude sixty seven degrees north but mr darwin has shown that they extend to the sea in south america in latitudes more than twenty degrees nearer to the equator than in europe as for example in chile where in the gulf of penas latitude forty six degrees forty minutes south or in the latitude of central france and in sir george erie's sound and the latitude of paris they give origin to icebergs which were seen in eighteen thirty four carrying angular pieces of granite and stranding them in fjords where the shores were composed of clay slate 
a large proportion however of the ice islands seen floating both in the northern and southern hemispheres are probably not generated by glaciers but rather by the accumulation of coast ice when the sea freezes at the base of a lofty precipice the sheet of ice is prevented from adhering to the land by the rise and fall of the tide nevertheless it often continues on to the shore at the foot of the cliff and receives ascensions of drift snow blown from the land under the weight of this snow the ice sinks slowly if the water be deep and the snow is gradually converted into ice by partial liquefaction and recongelation in this manner islands of ice of great thickness and many leagues in length originate and are eventually blown out to sea by offshore winds in their interior are enclosed many fragments of stone which had fallen upon them from overhanging cliffs during their formation such floating icebergs are commonly flat-topped but their lower portions are liable to melt in latitudes where the ocean at a moderate depth is usually warmer than the surface water and the air hence their centre of gravity changes continually and they turn over and assume very irregular shapes in a voyage of discovery made in the antarctic regions in eighteen thirty nine a dark-colored angular mass of rock was seen embedded in an iceberg drifting along in mid-ocean in latitude sixty-one degrees south that part of the rock which was visible was about twelve feet in height and from five to six in width but the dark color of the surrounding ice indicated that it much more of the stone was concealed a sketch made by mr mcnab when the vessel was within a quarter of a mile of it is now published this iceberg one of many observed at sea on the same day was between two hundred and fifty and three hundred feet high and was no less than fourteen hundred miles from any certainly known land it is exceedingly improbable says mr darwin in his notice of the phenomenon that any land will hereafter be discovered within a hundred miles of this spot and it must be remembered that the erratic was still firmly fixed in the ice and may have sailed for many a league farther before it dropped to the bottom captain sir james ross in his antarctic voyage in eighteen forty one forty two and forty three saw multitudes of icebergs transporting stones and rocks of various sizes with frozen mud in high southern latitudes his companion dr j hooker informs me that he came to the conclusion that most of the southern icebergs have stones in them although they are usually concealed from view by the quantity of snow which falls upon them in the account given by messrs dees and simpson of their recent arctic discoveries we learn that in latitude seventy one degrees north longitude one hundred and fifty six degrees west they found a long low spit named point barrow composed of gravel and coarse sand in some parts more than a quarter of a mile broad which the pressure of the ice had forced up into numerous mounds that viewed from a distance assumed the appearance of huge boulder rocks this fact is important as showing how masses of drift ice when stranding on submarine banks may exert a lateral pressure capable of bending and dislocating any yielding strata of gravel sand or mud the banks on which icebergs occasionally run aground between baffin's bay and newfoundland are many hundred feet under water 
and the force with which they are struck will depend not so much on the velocity as the momentum of the floating ice islands the same berg is often carried away by a change of wind and then driven back again upon the same bank or it is made to rise and fall by the waves of the ocean so that it may alternately strike the bottom with its whole weight and then be lifted up again until it has deranged the superficial beds over a wide area in this manner the geologist may account perhaps for the circumstance that in scandinavia scotland and other countries where erratics are met with the beds of sand loam and gravel are often vertical bent and contorted into the most complicated folds while the underlying strata although composed of equally pliant materials are horizontal but some of these curvatures of loose strata may also have been due to repeated alternations of layers of gravel and sand ice and snow the melting of the latter having caused the intercalated beds of indestructible matter to assume their present anomalous position there can be little doubt that icebergs must often break off the peaks and projecting points of submarine mountains and must grate upon and polish their surface furrowing or scratching them in precisely the same way as we have seen that glaciers act on the solid rocks over which they are propelled to conclude it appears that large stones mud and gravel are carried down by the ice of rivers estuaries and glaciers into the sea where the tides and currents of the ocean aided by the wind cause them to drift for hundreds of miles from the place of their origin although it will belong more properly to the seventh and eighth chapters to treat of the transportation of solid matter by the movements of the ocean i shall add here what i have farther to say on this subject in connection with ice the saline matter which sea waters hold in solution prevents its congelation except where the most intense cold prevails but the drifting of the snow from the land often renders the surface water brackish near the coast so that a sheet of ice is readily formed there and by this means a large quantity of gravel is frequently conveyed from place to place and heavy boulders also when the coast ice is packed into dense masses both the large and small stones thus conveyed usually travel in one direction like shingle beaches and this was observed to take place on the coast of labrador and gulf of st lawrence between the latitudes fifty and sixty degrees north by captain bayfield during his late survey the line of coast alluded to is strewed over for a distance of seven hundred miles with ice-borne boulders often six feet in diameter which are for the most part on their way from north to south or in the direction of the prevailing current some points on this coast have been observed to be occasionally deserted and then again at another season thickly bestrewed with erratics the accompanying drawing for which i am indebted to lieutenant bowen r n represents the ordinary appearance of the labrador coast between the latitudes of fifty degrees and sixty degrees north countless blocks chiefly granitic and of various sizes are seen lying between high and low water mark captain bayfield saw similar masses carried by ice through the straits of belle isle between newfoundland and the american continent 
which he conceives may have travelled in the course of years from baffin's bay a distance which may be compared in our hemisphere to the drifting of erratics from lapland and iceland as far south as germany france and england it may be asked in what manner have these blocks been originally detached we may answer that some have fallen from precipitous cliffs others have been lifted up from the bottom of the sea adhering by their tops to the ice while others may have been brought down by rivers and glaciers the erratics of north america are sometimes angular but most of them have been rounded either by friction or decomposition the granite of canada as before remarked has a tendency to concentric exfoliation and scales off in spheroidal coats when exposed to the spray of the sea during severe frosts the range of the thermometer in that country usually exceeds in the course of a year a hundred degrees and sometimes a hundred and twenty degrees fahrenheit and to prevent the granite used in the buildings of quebec from peeling off in winter it is necessary to oil and paint the squared stones in parts of the baltic such as the gulf of bothnia where the quantity of salt in the water amounts in general to one-fourth only that in the ocean the entire surface freezes over in winter to the depth of five or six feet stones are thus frozen in and afterwards lifted up about three feet perpendicularly to the melting of the snow in summer and then carried by floating ice islands to great distances Professor von Baer states, in a communication on this subject to the Academy of St. Petersburg, that a block of granite, weighing a million of pounds, was carried by ice during the winter of 1837-38 to from Finland to the island of Hochland, and two other huge blocks were transported about the years 1806 and 1814 by packed ice on the south coast of Finland, according to the testimony of the pilots and inhabitants, one block having traveled about a quarter of a mile, and lying about 18 feet above the level of the sea. More recently, Dr. Forkhammer has shown that in the Sound, the Great Belt, and other places near the entrance of the Baltic, ground ice forms plentifully at the bottom and then rises to the surface, charged with sand and gravel, stones and seaweed. Sheets of ice, also with included boulders, are driven up on the coast during storms and packed to a height of fifty feet to the motion of such masses but still more to that of the ground ice the danish professor attributes the striation of rocky surfaces forming the shores and bed of the sea and he relates a striking fact to prove that large quantities of rocky fragments are annually carried by ice out of the baltic in the year eighteen o seven he says at the time of the bombardment of the danish fleet an english sloop of war riding at anchor in the roads of copenhagen blew up in eighteen forty four or thirty-seven years afterwards one of our divers known to be a trustworthy man went down to save whatever might yet remain in the shipwrecked vessel he found the space between the decks entire but covered with blocks from six to eight cubic feet in size and some of them heaped one upon the other he also affirmed that all of the sunk ships which he had visited in the sound were in like a manner strewed over with blocks 
Dr. Forkhammer also informs us that during an intense frost in February 1844, the sound was suddenly frozen over, and sheets of ice, driven by a storm, were heaped up at the bottom of the Bay of Tarbeshki, threatening to destroy a fishing village on the shore. The whole was soon frozen together into one mass and forced up on the beach, forming a mound more than sixteen feet high, which threw down the walls of several buildings. When I visited the spot the next day, I saw ridges of ice, sand, and pebbles, not only on the shore, but extending far out into the bottom of the sea, showing how greatly its bed had been changed, and how easily, where it is composed of rock, it may be furrowed and streaked by stones firmly fixed in the moving ice. End of chapter 15, part 2